Welcome, listeners, to Tales to D6 for you see, because D6 is another way of saying die. This is the spookiest tabletop stories podcast on the entire Podcast Minds podcast jam. Thank you to Andrew and Riley for hosting. My spooky name is Emery. I'm V. Emery is also my normal name. That's, that's, that, you, you can just call me that. It doesn't have to be spooky. Anyway, hello, Veer. Um, Veer's not my legal name, but it, y'all can find it. Hey, Emery's not my legal name either. We're just fucking a couple of outlaws over here. Just, just making a goddamn podcast. Fuck legal names. Soul names is where it's at. Hell yeah. So, uh, so we're here just to talk about some tabletop games we were in. We're gonna we're gonna have a little story time for for this podcast jam. Who wants to go first? Oh, do you want to go first? Or like- I have a big long one to do, so I was thinking it might be better to um yeah to start off with a with a with a couple of shorter stories from you because I want to talk about like a whole fourteen session long campaign. Okay, um, I guess to stick with a spooky theme, I'll talk about the one session of Call of Cthulhu that I was a part of. Oh, hey, let's go. So, basically, I was playing a detective character from America. I think he was from, like, New York or something. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really matter. He basically, along with a mob boss... And a illegal doctor, and the mob boss's ins- like business partner, or the guy in charge of the mob boss's like front business, mm-hmm. is all brought in by I think it was the FBI or the CIA. He he to invest basically be a suicide squad for investigating some. In town in, or a village in, like, some East European country, vaguely tone, Eastern European, where everyone apparently speaks English with a southern accent. Yeah, I mean, who has time to learn real accents, you know? Yeah. I can't do accents, I, I never try it. <laughs> I tried to do a character with an accent who I'll talk about in 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 my campaign, and it didn't go well. I hated to do it. I, <laughs> but that character was essentially made to be. I'll I'll talk about it later. You, it's your turn. <laughs> well, you have to do it to get better at it. But anyway, basically, you take a plane, and the time period is your typical Lovecraftian story time. Um, 1940-ish is... Good time to be, be in a Lovecraft story. Might have actually been 1920s. Yeah, it was 1920s, because it was supposed to be, like, shortly after World War One. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you took a plane there, something went wrong with the plane. We landed safely, but there was a part that was broken. So we was basically just trapped there until we fixed that. My character took the logbook from... 
the phone ring because there's no one there and there's a logbook. It's like, mm-hmm. I'll take this look at Trader. Well, get into the town. Um, gosh, this was a few years ago, so I'm it's fuzzy on the order of things. I think we had split up. Yeah, I think this was the first part of us splitting the party. Mm-hmm. Where the doctor and I went to explore, like, the river docks of the mob boss and his business partner went to go check out a room. So you're just going around investigating for signs of strangeness? Yeah, we basically was told rich shit's going on in this town. Figure mm-hmm. out what. And Pantry, the doctor and I, and my detective guy, arrived at just the right time for a body to wash ashore. I bet it was a normal one, nice normal body that you would see in 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 any little t- little European town. Surprisingly, it was just a regular body. Huh? Okay. I called that one, I guess. <laughs> but like all American priests, well, before I get political, how political are we? <laughs> how political should we be? I mean, as long as the politics are good and red, I don't see any problem with getting political. Okay, Listen, so... mine is all about how capitalism in the Olympics sucks shit, so let's go. I was about to say, like, all American police officers in a foreign country, I pulled out my badge and raved it around to show authority. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's when we went up to the body and found out, yeah, it was most... It was basically a regular body. Definitely killed by someone or something, but didn't have much to go off besides their body. Mm-hmm. At that point, we had, like, Butler two had gotten a room set up, and it was getting, getting late, so we met up together to go check out the church, because I think, I think it rarely got the lead, but we got it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Ended up finding nothing, and I think it if that was, like, just something we actually, there's nothing there, or we just rolled really bad. The the eternal paradox of, is there actually nothing to find, or do we just suck at looking? That yeah. <laughs> yeah, screwed, was... over a thousand, screwed over thousands of players and thousands of campaigns. Yeah. Because this was one of those nights where it was like, oh. We're just rolling bad for Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, it's 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 not Call of Cthulhu unless things are going horribly fucking wrong, right? Yeah. And when we walked out of the church, the village sheriff was waiting for us. Because he wanted to know why four dudes from America just popped up and Side that they were the new bosses around town. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm guessing this isn't your jurisdiction, you know. Yeah, I'm an American police officer. It's fine. Who, who, who knows what jurisdiction means? Not me. For American police officer, the whole world is. 
Oh, that's horrible. I'm sorry. Anyway, international crimes is shoved to the side. Basically, our party and the sheriff did not get along. It didn't escalate to anything yet. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the went back to the inn because it was basically nighttime, and we didn't we didn't want to deal with any form of of exhaustion that <laughs> a DM might have used. Yeah, yeah. Listen, your 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 horrible group of miscreants needs their nappies. Otherwise, they're going to be cranky when they when they when they fight a shugoth. Yeah. And me being the only one that's like, well, I have this logbook. Let me check it out. And so, and the other three guys decide, let's get a hooky. Oh, great. So, and there's only one candle in the room. In They only got one room. And there's only one candle. And they decided to say that. Their characters had a thing for Candlelacks. So already this is just it's yeah. we're we've really we've really lost the thread here. People are just just yeah. just 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 being just being unruly on purpose, huh? Yes. Yeah, Southern Mississippi. A lot of horny people apparently. <laughs> Never never play tabletop games with horny people. That's my advice. I second that. <laughs> because my character could not read anything because he had no light. Uh-huh. And the book apparently got stolen while I was asleep, so... Any evidence mm. that was in that? Never found out. Damn, how could this have been prevented? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One time the police officer was more competent than anyone else in the room. <sighs> uh, so, so, so what did you do about the missing book? Well, we tried talking to the innkeeper. Asked about the hooker that was hired. They brought in another girl who claimed to be that girl, but wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, decided to check out the hospital in town because... We had learned that some rich guy came in and decided to make a super fancy hospital in this random village in Eastern Europe, far from any cities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably should have been the first place, but yeah. Here we go to check that place out. Get some weird vibes by... From a rich guy who gives us a tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, the armed guards and random metal locked doors, heavily locked doors made out of thick, me- thick metal, did not help the vibe of that we was getting from this guy. But still, yeah. Honestly, I would be more frightened if the vibes were normal. Yeah. I mean, if there's nothing to be suspicious of, that's when you know you're really in for a bad time. And the funny thing is that a thunderstorm had actually kind of started about 
the time that this happened, so whenever this guy talked, well, a lightning bolt literally actually just crashed down. <laughs> Almost on cue. Oh. Okay, great. So, so, so this man has his ambiance sorted. He's he's really setting the uh, really setting the mood. And I'm not saying the GM was doing that. I mean, in real life, there's a thunderstorm. Oh shit! Oh shit! <laughs> and when the GM Let's fucking go, we love it when 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 nature is on our side. We love it when when. Nature uh, uh, helps our narration with these little flourishes. Yeah, we needed to take like five minutes because one guy was, when the guy said, I forget what, exactly what he said, but he was basically going like, I'm definitely not guilty and very innocent. A thunderbolt mm-hmm. immediately, like he said something extremely awful, <laughs> and lightning bolt struck down. <laughs> God, that's good. But <laughs> chair. Yeah. Got nothing but bad advice from there, but not enough to warrant busting in at the time. Mm-hmm. So, we decided to split up again. Because it went so well last time, you know? Yeah, nothing went wrong last time. And before I go further, I should also state that our GM had decided to give us double health. Then uh-huh. that's going to become important later. <laughs> hmm So, I forget who was with me, but me and like someone else and I went to the graveyard to invest, like look around there, and the doctor and I'm pretty sure the crooked businessman was with the doctor. For a moment, until the doctor kind of bounced to go look at the marketplace by himself. Mm-hmm. So, coming back to Mafia Boss and the detective, we were looking around in the graveyard, and, and we apparently found something, was getting close to finding something, because, mm-hmm. well, someone started shooting at us. Oh. Okay. And cutting back to the doctor, the doctor gets shot. <laughs> Damn, who's going to operate on him? Oh no, he's the worst one. Well, it's a good thing he had double health. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it took, gunshot took half his health. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I forgot that guns fucking hurt in Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they apparently can one-shot you unless you homebrew double health. <laughs> so yeah, the doctor basically ducks around behind one of the stalls as all the villagers are basically just panicking because the gunshot went off. Mm-hmm. The mob boss and I you know, are having gunshot gunfight in the graveyard. Eventually we Mafia Balt and I eventually retreated back to the town, and basically the town militia who was standing guard at the gates basically was going to just stop us, but then got shot. Uh huh. So 
but he ended up getting pinned down at gates by the guy who was fighting in the graveyard with. And the doctor and the businessman ended up meeting back us, getting back together with us at the gate. So things are really going to shit. You haven't even encountered anything supernatural yet, and you're already just running into so much fucking trouble. Like, pr presumably a lot of it self-inflicted. Well, as we will find out about the people shooting at us, there's some supernatural battle. Okay, okay. So, myself and I think the either the businessman or the doctor grabbed the rifles that the two guys at the gate had, who basically both got one-shot it, and because GM was using Call of Cthulhu as an excuse, guns had barely any, rifles had barely any ammo in them, so... Uh-huh. Luckily, we did get some lucky shots then, <laughs> and... We got the guy who was chasing us from the graveyard, but it, there was still the guy in the town, which he was able to figure out was in some warehouse. Mm -hmm. So we basically rushed towards the warehouse, busting in, then finding, like, kind of sneak through it, disarm some traps. Anyway, I'm getting some stuff mixed up. My bad. This happens later. Oh, no worries. And this was like four or five years ago. I'm going off of my... Just off my head. Okay, so this is... This is... This is an oldie. Yeah. So, rewinding back to the gate. Um, I know we got one guy down. Got one for... One of the gunners down. Don't know if we got the second one. Oh, now I remember where the second one was. Second one was in the, like, a tower on top of, like, the sheriff's place. Uh -huh. It was, like, one of those sheriff things that had, like, the bell tower. Something like that. So, we end up going to the sheriff's department. Busting in, ready to shoot up the place. Like, good uh -huh, old uh -huh. Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Really just not worrying about any any collateral damage, huh? Really just, like, really just going out guns blazing, just just innocent bystanders be- bystanders- bystanders be damned. To be fair, we was conserving ammo, but not because we was worried about collateral damage. We was worried about not having bullets. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, who wants to run out of bullets? Yeah. <laughs> so, we storm the sheriff's department. We find the sheriff's been tied up. We get the one guy that was shooting at us. And then we free the sheriff. And by then, it's nighttime. And we start hearing some spooky sounds outside. Okay, okay, here we go. Now we're getting to the spooky. So we open the, like, we crack open the door to see what's going on outside, and we see this, there's some myths coming into town, and we start hearing some screaming. So 
We close the door, lock it, and then go up into the tower to see what's going on. So, you know how that, I mentioned how that hospital had a whole bunch of locked doors, like thick metal doors with a lot of locks? Yeah, the very unsuspicious ones, I remember so clearly. Yeah. In the pantry, there's a whole monster mash coming out of it, and they're just going through the village. Oh, let's go. We got the Dracula, we got the Frankenstein. Who who are all the guys in this mash? I know there was at least one in Werewolf, because... Nice, nice. As GM was kind enough to give us a picture of a Werewolf killing one of the kids in town. Mmm. Mmm. This is why you like to use safety tools before the start of the campaign. That way you can say, I would love for kids to not get murdered in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, kids, set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Or at very least agree on a safety sign when something uncomfortable com- pops up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, besides that unpleasant part... A bunch of kind of eldritch horrors and typical monsters start coming out of the hospital, killing the townsfolks. And like the heroes we were, we stayed in the sheriff's department throughout the night. Yeah, that that sounds about right for this, this gang so far. You know, when I agreed to join the session... <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be for evil campaign, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do kind of know that feeling. We're like, you join a group of people you're not, like, the most familiar with or have or who you haven't played with a lot, and they're just like, I want to do bad things. And it's like, no. Oh. No, I want to be good guys. I want to not just uh, be a fucking... Murder hobo. I don't wanna. I don't wanna just run around doing narrativeless violence. Yeah, I guess to put some blame on me, I did know all these people. <laughs> like the GM was my cousin. Uh huh. Yes. Well, sometimes you don't really know a person until you've played uh, a, a tabletop RPG with them and. Uh, and and just see how many innocent bystanders they take out. Well, to be fair on this group, they didn't kill any innocents. Technically, they just sat in a sheriff's apartment while they were being killed. Yeah. yeah. Still not ideal. Yeah. That's why I do like, you know, gay, uh, uh... Games like Fellowship, where it, like, explicitly states in the rules that your characters, like, are the good guys and should be out, like, you know, going around improving the world and helping people. Like, I feel like it does help to have, like, that that clarity of purpose in, you know, like, you know, textually in the game, you know? Yeah. Or at least, you know, have it, like, spelled out among, like, the players and the group playing when, like, you know, when when you're setting up the campaign... Well, my first crew should have been the fact that if one of the people playing was going to play as a mob boss, and the other, and his brother was going to play as his crooked business partner. Mm-hmm. But in my defense, I did try to convince the group to go out to fight monsters. They all said no, including the sheriff. 
cowardly behavior IMO. You should you should have met a werewolf. Yeah. So after we heroically hid from all the monsters throughout the night, morning comes, and all the monsters are gone. Time to go check out the hospital. Yeah, seems like that that place is the most suspicious so far. Seems like that's the uh the uh the uh next next note on your itinerary. The the scary hospital that all the monsters came from. I think that one's top of the priority list. Yep. But before then, another shooter pops up and tries to shoot us from a warehouse. God damn it. Why you why why are you getting shot at so much? I don't know. Almost about almost like we're a bunch of criminals who got inscripted by the US government to basically go investigate this one Eastern European village in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, you go into the warehouse to get to to stop the shooter. And after sneaking around, disarming a few traps, we end up getting to him. And it turns out the shooter is like some Frankenstein-type monster. Like, we were able to capture him alive, but before we can actually question him, someone else shoot, like, I guess another Frankenstein monster with a rifle ends up killing him, but runs away. Mm-hmm. So anyway, now we go to the hospital, and we look around. We look around. We find secret. Like we go into the rich guy's office and find a hidden doorway to a underground cave. We go into a cave. Begin. Well, we attempt to get into a knife fight with a zombie, and by that I mean. We all pull out our knives to stab him, but we all roll badly for about five turns before the mob boss, peasant playing the mob boss, got tired and just pulled out the Tommy gun. Oh, great. And by then, we was basically all out of bullets. So basically, I bet the next part is going to go great for y'all. Mm-hmm. We sneak past some monsters. We get into this chamber, but it has like a giant statue of this elephant-looking guy kind of curled mm-hmm. up in a fetal position. Uh-huh, uh-huh. For some reason, there's a desk here, and we find that the reason why the rich guy was made a hospital here and was doing some typical Eldritch Hollow summoning was so that he could bring his dead brother back to life. And that's where the session ends. Huh. And you said this was a one-session campaign, huh? It was originally planned to be more. <laughs> yeah. I, y- y- you do run into that, don't yeah. you? Like, where... Yeah, it's it's always so disappointing to see a campaign where that, that, that just fizzles out so soon, you know? Like, yeah, a lot of times... A lot of times they just don't end up being sustainable and 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 kind of die at the starting line, huh? Yeah, it was kind of a half shame too because I had gotten really into character, 
Because uh-huh. I decided to have one of the flaws of my character be that he smokes. And since uh-huh. I don't smoke, I just got a bunch of those, like, like a few packs of the $1 packs of lollipops. So I was just uh-huh. putting them in. <laughs> and I don't know if my okay. character smoked. So you're doing the uh, four kids, uh, uh, one piece Sanji ap- approach to smoking. Yeah, basically, just, just having a lollipop. Mm-hmm. Great, nice. Yeah, I've had a, a lot of campaigns that have, that have like run for a while and then just like ended because of you know. Uh, just because the group can't like stay together anymore, or just like I personally ran out of de- uh, of ideas and sort of burned out as as the GM. Um, but the one I have, uh, uh, yeah, the most recent one I ran, the one I'm, that I'm going to talk about today, actually has an ending, which is great. So few of them do, and I'm very proud of how it went. That's good. Um, <laughs> makes one of us think before we get into this, I'm just gonna post some artwork that I drew. Uh, so yeah, this is an interstitial campaign, so I think probably the first thing to do is, like, uh, see how familiar you are with, uh, with the media properties, uh, involved in the, um, yeah, in, in, in the world building, in the world creation. So, what what how familiar are you with the world ends with you as a franchise i played both games i haven't oh hell yeah second one yet awesome then you'll have a great time following along uh basically for our listeners who aren't familiar the world ends with you is a game centered around uh players of the reapers game the reapers game is essentially a sort of afterlife where you have seven days and a bunch of challenges and if you win the game then you have a wish which you can use to restore yourself back to life and um you know, the, the the people who play the game are called players. Then the game also has reapers, who are all former players who chose, you know, not to return to life and instead become, like, referees and, you know, issue challenges and basically, like, keep the game running on, like, the ground floor level. And then above the reapers, there is the conductor, who is basically, like, the game master of the game. You know, they're, like, making up challenges, like, you know... uh uh just sort of, yeah, running things from a very administrative level. And then above the composer is the conductor, who essentially, like, sets all the rules and, like, has an incredible amount of power to just, like, control reality. Uh, so that's what that is. Um, so the, the, the premise of this campaign is that it is the Reaper's game set in the world of Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As you do. As you do. Uh, so it, this one has a bunch of Mario characters, a bunch of Sonic characters, no actual The World Ends With You characters, but like a lot of the world building drawn from that franchise. Um uh, so yeah, so basically like sort of the, the, the setup and the format is like, you know, the players are taking part in this Reapers game, they have all died in various ways, and are trying to, you know, complete the, ga- complete the game 
to restore themselves to life. Uh, and the the image I've posted in our general chat is all the Reaper NPCs um, from the game. Uh, so uh, yeah, if it, it might be fun if you just uh, describe some of the guys you're seeing right here. So on top, this Mario with a yellow and pink hat and a red and black coat with a plaid undershirt also since this is the world ends with you inspired everyone is wearing over the top street fashion that is canon for all the characters <laughs> as you do as you do can't exactly remember her name but i know she's from hunter hunter um that is neferpito from the chimera ant arc yeah and she's wearing a nice blue shirt a Sleeveless orange and yellow jacket with some dark blue, maybe dark purple sleeves. And a kitty cat fanny pack. That part is essential. Yes, I was going to get saving that for last, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Next to her is Blaze, and she's in. Blaze the cat! Blaze the cat from. Sonic, Sonic 06 thing. Specific, specifically, this is the version of Blaze who died in Sonic 06. Um, you know, since all the Reapers are, of course, dead. Like, so after she died, the timeline was reset, but for some reason, uh, in parentheses, because her power is connected to the god Iblis, um, her consciousness was not destroyed when the timeline ended. So now we have, like, this dead Blaze from an alternate timeline, and he- here in the regular timeline, there's just another one. There's ju- just a different timeline Blaze who is alive and still kicking around. So that's kind of... So yeah, that's just a thing. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing a blue hat that a skull jacket. It's just like a jacket with a little face on it. Okay. I didn't do draw too much detail on it, but yeah. Is that a blue dress? It's kind of... No, she's got uh, some white ripped jeans and blue shoes. Oh, okay. Okay, now I see that her leg is up. Yeah. And then I don't really expect you to recognize the next character on going going from right to left. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is Ozra Eugene from the anime App Monsters, which is part of the Digimon franchise. It is basically a Digimon series, but instead of regular Digimon, it's got a bunch of monsters all based on phone applications. And it, it fucking whips. It's like, what if they made Digimon, but they also made it Looney Tunes? It's very good. And he's got his little buddy Appmon with him there, who is is Offmon, who is a little guy with purple fur and a big oversized jacket and a big oversized hat with goggles on it. And Ozra, him, or yeah, Eugen himself is just kind of a kid with red hair and a green tracksuit. And I'm assuming that's Obi-Wan at the far That's Obi-Wan! Or Ben Kenobi. He sure is. And he's just in a biker get-up. 
and we're, uh, I'm not sure how uh, readable it is in, in this image, but he is wearing a Jar Jar Binks t-shirt and a Stormtrooper belt buckle. Yeah, I see it now, as you pointed out. <laughs> and I believe there's Baluigi at the bottom. Uh-huh. He's upside down, so it's kind of hard to tell what he's wearing. Uh, essentially, he's he's Waluigi, but with Red swirly Judge Doom eyes and big Jessica Rabbit titties, and he's you know wearing lingerie under a coat. Oh, okay. So we'll get we'll 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 find out why that is. But you know we 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 got big titty Waluigi in here. That's essential. Mm-hmm. As you do. As you do. Uh, so those are the Reapers. That's just a bunch of the uh, the NPCs in this campaign, some of the major ones. Um, and then as for the players themselves, I do not have artwork of them on hand. Uh, but we have... Um but we have Azriel Dreamer, uh, who is also Frisk. Um, as you know, the you know, as you probably know, they're characters from the game Undertale. Uh, but they are an amalgamated version of of Azriel and Frisk um, from a fan AU of Undertale called Dreamer Reborn, and they were played by uh, by my friend Dan. Um, also, we have Dr. Eggman, uh, played by Spike, and uh, this is kind of like a specific version of Dr. Eggman. I'll like give a little backstory here. Basically, Spike put a lot of thought into it, was like, okay, let's let's like take all of this Sonic lore from the games and narrow it down to create like a more specific version of this guy. Uh, so, you know, basically like some of the games are canon, some of the games aren't canon to this particular version of Eggman and like kind of one of the important things is like uh order of events was arranged a little bit so that the most recent like plan to take over the world uh well not really take over the world but it was uh the the plot of Sonic Colors where he just sort of grabbed a bunch of planets and made them into a theme park and used the aliens as a power source uh but he died because uh you know Sonic went Went and did his thing, you know, stopping Eggman's plan. And when he destroyed one of Eggman's boss robots, Eggman just like went down with the ship and and fucking died. Honestly, Paul G was going to say that it was from he was from he was Eggman from the Starbomb video where Tails shoots him. I have not heard of that. I'll link you the video afterwards. <laughs> okay. Um. Tails doesn't shoot him, but Tails sure does something. We'll find out what that is. Um, Sorry for interrupting, get on. Uh, no worries. Uh, so then the, the, the third player, third and final, is Roger Rabbit. Hey, it's Ro- we love Roger Rabbit, that funny little guy. And he basically died because, you know, uh, he and Jessica were attacked by, you know, uh, 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 a mysterious figure with swirly red eyes. And, you know, uh, so, so when 
when Patrick, the uh, the player of Roger, you know, described like how Roger, you know, was was killed by this uh, person whose description really fit Judge Doom. I, I I really just sort of stored that in the back of my head, and it was like, okay, I'll 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 make this into a funny plot twist later. I can make this way more stupid and absurd than just having it be Judge Doom. Um. So yeah, that's those are our players. That's that's a little bit of their backstories, um, and yeah, I, I think before I really get into it, I just kind of want to give my players a big shout out because yeah, I, I this campaign in in its conceptual stage was just a gigantic fucking mess. Like I had a really rough outline. I had about a million ideas of just like things and elements I wanted to include in the game. Uh, and these guys really made it all come together. Like they played their characters so strongly and, you know, had just took, yeah, I, w- I was really just taking inspiration from them the whole time. Like, things would not have come together without this group in particular. So I just want to shout them out, say how good of a fucking job they did, and it was a fantastic time overall. Uh, so, so yeah, so they wake up, they're in the Reapers game, like, they're in the middle of the desert, they watch the Olympic flame get lit by by Luigi, not Waluigi, and then things kick off right away, because, you know, they're told to part, you know, to, to team up and forge pacts, so they just sort of, like, randomly find each other in the crowd, they do that, and then they're attacked by noise, so noise are sort of like the generic monsters from, or yeah, just like the, 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 you know, lower level non-boss monsters from the World Ends With You series, they're essentially just animals with, like, cool, with parts of their bodies, like, uh, replaced by, like, these cool tattoo designs. It's, like, this very rad visual style. Um, so instead of animals in this world, it's, uh, it's Mario enemies. So they fight, like, some Goombas and a Koopa and a Chain Chomp, like, all stylized as noise. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, Azriel, of course, doesn't do any actual fighting. Instead, he just sort of messes around until he's able to use mercy on, on the noise, which is really good. Really uh, strong character choice. Choice, uh, out of the gate for him. So yeah, they, they get through that encounter, all the noise are spared, and then they get their next mission, like all the missions are coming to them through text messages on their phones, and they're basically just told to race to the Olympic Village, and, you know, the the the, the winner will get, you know, a, a bunch of points, and, you know, points are sort of something we keep track of, which doesn't super matter to the campaign overall, but they are like a thing. Uh, points just let you know who's winning the game. Uh, so, you know, they, they all, they all race, they all head towards, um, this track and field arena, which is basically set up like a Sonic level, so there's loop-de-loops, there's, like, obstacles and hazards, and they're literally racing against Sonic the Hedgehog, who is, is participating in this event, uh, but Sonic does not appear to be a player of the game, um... 
or like on anyone's team. He's just one of the regular competitors and a bunch of like Reapers game players just storm into this uh in 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 into this arena and start running. Um so they actually managed to r- win the race. Like Asriel grows big rainbow wings and you know flies everyone to the end. Uh you know uh, two of the other uh, teams, which are sort of the big competitors in this race, are Maximilian Pegasus's team, which uh, is is composed of himself, uh, Halo from Master Chief, and Kirby from Kirby. <laughs> um, and then the other team they run into, sort of coming up on their tail, is uh, Donald's Duck from Kingdom Hearts, Regular ass Daffy Duck and Doctor Starline from IDW Sonic Comics, who is not a duck but is a platypus and he looks like one. Um, so, so just establishing a couple of the other player teams, uh, they're gonna be coming back and causing problems throughout the uh, rest of the campaign. Um, and, you know, so they win the race when they, you know, get to the Olympic Village, like, they go through a portal, like, at the at the back of the stadium, and just, like, end up in this village with portals, like, sort of connecting to all these different worlds. And when they get to the Olympic Village, they find that people can't see them, like, you know, because Sonic, like, you know, went through the portal also to try and find them and congratulate them on their win, but he just didn't see them, so basically how the reapers game works is like the players of it the dead people uh can only interact with like living people under like certain circumstances like there are certain areas where they can sort of manifest and become corporeal but like not everywhere and you know when they're when they're not corporeal they sort of have like limited means of interacting with the world yeah like Um, the shops and restaurants and the games Exactly, yeah. And yeah, in in this version of the Reapers games, like you can also manifest in like, you know, the Olympic arenas. Um uh, Alright, so that's the end of the first day. Like they just sort of, you know, you know, after after the race is over, they just sort of like wake up uh at the start of day two, because like that's kind of how it goes in Twewi, like you, 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 once the day is over, you just sort of wake up on the next day with, like, nothing happening in between. Um, so they have a new mission. They have the mission to, um, basically go to Kaiba Land and, uh, and, and, you know, defeat the monster at the top of, uh, the, the, the American Ninja Obstacle Course, I think. Um, uh, but, but before they can go to Kaiba Land, they have to get past one of the Toads. And, you know, Toad, there's a Toad who's basically a Red Hoodie Reaper, just like a very low-level Reaper, who just, like, gives you minor challenges and, like, puts up walls for you to, like, you know... Just sort of pad out the game and just give you a bunch of, like, little side missions to open up new areas. Uh, So the Toad wants them to get a red Sonic pin from the Sonic merch store. Uh, But the merch store is closed right now, so he can't go in himself. Uh, So this 
this bitch wants a Knuckles pin, even though he doesn't fucking know who Knuckles is, which I, even though Knuckles is a real ass dude, which I find kind of hilarious. Um, so, you know, they, they find out the, uh, that the store is closed because the employee is fucking slacking off from work. And I'm going to post her picture, uh, right here. So this is probably a character you don't recognize, uh, because this is my Sonic OC M the Bon. Um, so I, I I really wanted to put my Sonic OC in this campaign because I thought it would be fun, but I didn't want to have like a pet NPC, you know. I didn't want to like you know just have you know my own character in the game being super cool and taking away all all the all the spotlight from the characters, you know. So basically, my 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 rule, my little compromise that let me do this without being obnoxious about this is that I I made up the rule. Uh, my I can have my OC in the game, but she's not allowed to do anything cool or helpful, and she just has to be super depressed all the time. <laughs> Another alternative is have her do stuff at first, but then either kill off or have her turn coat. I thought it would be funnier if she just yeah. wasn't useful or didn't play any significant role at all. <laughs> Just figured I'd get some alternatives for anyone listening and taking notes. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I think it's funniest if you just make your self-insert character really fucking depressed and useless. I thought it went great. Yeah, they are definitely is self-insert. So there, there's sorry, can't speak for some reason. But yeah, your method is probably the best one out of the three. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, she's supposed to be running the shop, but, you know, she's just kind of out back, like, uh, you know, hasn't opened yet, is just kind of, like, scrolling through her phone, feeling really depressed, um, and, you know, so the party, like, finds out that they can, um... You know, that they can use their player pins to, like, scan thoughts like you do in the games. Essentially, like, when you, you know, since they can't manifest corporeally, like, one of the ways they can interact with the world is just, like, reading people's minds and also, like, imprinting memes in people's heads, which is basically, like, giving them intrusive thoughts, sort of. Just, like, putting ideas in their head that they then, like you know, react to. So this is session two. This is where everyone fucking rolls terribly for the entire time. This is where this is this is this is the one, you know, session we get in the game where fucking nothing goes right and everyone is just a clown for the entire time. Yeah, knife fighter of a zombie, I know that feeling. Yeah. So they, you know, they they try and, you know, put some M some some memes in M's head just to like, you know, get her to go back to work, but none of them is working. Like none of their convince somebody roles are 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 going well. And you know, they're just causing problems on the way. Like I'm I'm hitting them with moves because of their fail, fa failed roles. Um and you know, they they just keep going to plan B and plan C and things are just getting sillier and 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 um uh more more 
ridiculous as 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 the failures pile up so eventually they lure her into a different store which is you know the garfield eats next door which is uh which is being run by by garfield herself but instead of regular garfield it's sexy goth garfield from from twitter ah the best one yeah, the best Garfield. I was like, why would I put an inferior Garfield in my interstitial campaign when I could simply make her a sexy goth transgender woman? Yeah. Uh, so, from from Twitter. <laughs> so, like, they get M to go into the restaurant by, like, leaving a trail of pizza slices and just, like, giving her the idea that she wants to eat pizza. So she goes into the Garfield Eats, she, like, eats some pizza, and, like, the party actually gets to talk to her. Uh, and really, they she's in such a bad mood that they really only just sort of end up annoying her. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I think Roger Rabbit is just, like, breaking into the store and stealing the pan. And that pretty much takes up the whole entire session. Also, everyone got food poisoning along the way because they ate the Garfield pizza, and M also got food poisoning. It was just a bad day for everyone. <laughs> so that was the end of that day. Nothing was accomplished. Um, uh, uh, and it was after this that we decided we should probably start making days two sessions instead of one, because uh, they're just... Cause, cause they need more time to do things. Like, first session went okay, second session was like... Yeah, we needed some more time for this one. We needed we needed a little more room to breathe. So Yeah, that's mood. Yeah. So so after this all the days are two sessions and you might be saying Emery, wouldn't that mean that the game is going to be 12 sessions long instead of 14? Don't worry about it. We'll 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 we'll, we'll explain that later. Yeah, sometimes two, three. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so day three, I kind of just wanted to have a day where like everyone sort of gets to, you know, have some freeform exploration and just kind of do what they want. Um, so basically what I did is I made a big list of like different worlds that the party could go to and different games that they could participate in and basically say like, okay, the mission is just to earn some medals, uh, and, and just sort of let them loose. Um... So Azriel um joined the uh the skateboarding event uh going up against Sonic the Hedgehog and Azriel Dreamer's personal rival in the world of skateboarding Shrek um and you know so they Azriel wins the uh the gold medal like you know he's he's neck and neck with Shrek but then like Shrek lands uh 900 wrong and breaks his wheel and gets super mad uh, so we, 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 we get Roger Rabbit, who uh, joins a game called Tenacious Spinball, which is a made-up game that we invented for our, our, our previous uh, tabletop campaign, uh, which was a game of fellowship. Um, so it's just like a ridiculous like cross between basketball and pinball, where you have to earn more points by bouncing the ball off like pinball bumpers before you dunk it. Um... So Roger was playing uh, alongside three of the ghosts from Pac-Man, 
and, you know, eventually went up against one of the other player teams uh, in, in the game, which was Mario Mario from... Uh, uh, from from the Super Mario Brothers movie. So we got Bob Hoskins Mario. We got Mario Mario from the Mario Brothers Super Show. So Lou Albano Mario and Chris Pratt Mario from the upcoming Illumination movie. Uh, so like. Ro- Occasionally throughout the campaign, Roger would just have, like, such good banter with the NPCs that, like, I'm just like, okay, whatever you're doing, don't roll, you just do it. Because this is so funny, I it, it, it has to happen. So, like, he just got into a conversation with Bob Hoskins Mario, because of course they worked together on Roger's movie, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And, you know, they just, like, talked about the state of the industry these days and how, like, you know, all the roles are just getting taken up by these big... Big name actors like Chris Pratt. So he kind of just like pulls all three Marios into this conversation while his uh while his team like goes and scores points, which was very funny and just like a very like good high energy NPC interaction. And then uh, Dr. Eggman played Tin Pin Slammer, an original like mini game from the original World Ends With You um game against uh haru who is the main character from uh from app monsters um and here's the fucking thing the party met blaze blaze and and eugene uh earlier in in the campaign like on day one and it turns out there's also a second eugene uh because um I don't know if I should get like into the whole explanation of why it's kind of some Kingdom Hearts bullshit, but basically like there's a dead Eugene and a living Eugene and the living one is is dating Haru because they're gay and I I why are we why are we playing interstitial if not to like live out our 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 gay headcanons for the characters that have been queer baiting us for the, for for years. Yeah. As you do. So, you know, Eggman wins the tournament, uh, you know, he meets Haru, Haru is, like, a big nerd and a huge robot enthusiast, so, like, you know, they agree to hang out later, um... And yeah, like, Asriel, like, makes friends with Sonic, like, they agree to hang out also, like, it's just kind of, like, a fun session with, like, a lot of characters, like you know, uh, getting along with these NPCs and, 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 you know, forming some little relationships, and that's a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, they still got time left in the day, like, you know, they're, they're sort of wandering around, like, Eggman and Roger have a talk, because, like, Eggman is, is, is feeling, like, kind of, Messed up and depressed about the fact that he's dead, you know, as you, as you probably would be, and, like, also, like, kind of talking about, like, all the bad things he's done in his life, and how, like, he sort of, you know, was trying to be, like, a good person about it, and take over the world for good reasons, you know? Like, like the good guy that he is, but no one really seems to, uh, to agree with him on his methods, um... 
And then, like, Asriel is hanging out with Sonic, like, kind of talking about, like, you know, he knows that Eggman is a villain and is sort of, like, talking with Sonic about, like, hey, can I actually trust this Eggman guy? And Sonic is like, mm, in my experience, no. Um, you know, so then day continues, like, Asriel uh, participates in the fishing minigame uh, Olympic event, you know, uh... With, I believe, with Kirby and and has a good time there. Um, then Eggman and Roger uh, enter a Mario Kart race with uh, uh, Team Pegasus and uh, and a team or not a team um, and racing against a couple of living competitors tails and shadow uh uh let's see i also have artwork of tails here i did not do artwork of most of these characters but i'll post the ones that i did and tails is a girl now because of the uh queer headcanons thing that i just said earlier <laughs> um yeah she's cute thank you so uh eggman and roger like win the race um and as as part of his backstory, like, Eggman said that, like, you know, I kind of wanted him to, like, outline his relationship with, like, the cast of Sonic characters in general, since I knew they would be pretty prominent in this campaign. And basically, he's like, yeah, Eggman's not friends with anyone. He, he, no one likes him either. Like, they basically have, like, an almost exclusively, like, uh, uh... Uh, a hostile relationship, except that Eggman does actually respect Tails a little bit, because, like, Tails is, you know, the smart inventor and, like, you know, the, 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 the genius of the team. So, like, Tails is kind of the one Eggman has, like, a little bit of, like, you know, positive feelings for. Um, so... So here's where kind of another element, uh, that, that, that um that i wanted to sort of build into this world comes into play called the psychic barrier so it would be kind of weird if like you know you're you know people playing the game could just like interact with living people and like you know just like be recognized as like the people they were in life you know like it would be kind of fucked up, you know, if all these characters, like, saw Dr. Eggman and were like, hey, it's Dr. Eggman. That would be weird, since he's supposed to be dead. So, basically, how I kind of made it work is, like... People, like, don't have their memories changed or anything. Like, they don't... It's just, like, that their perception is kind of messed with, where, like, you know, they sort of see you as you are, they, like, you know, they, they, it, you know, they're not, like, seeing someone else, but they just don't recognize you as you when you're, like, a character, when, you, when you're, like, a player in the game. So it's like, oh, hey, this, this Dr. Eggman guy sure looks, like, a lot like the, uh, the Dr. Eggman I know, huh? That's kind of weird. Anyway, um... So it's, yeah, just, just kind of like a, a, a f natural force in this game, sort of like preventing any of the uh, players from like actually being recognized by living people. So like, you know, Eggman says hi to Tails. Tails fully does not recognize him. Uh, 
And Shadow finds this kind of suspicious. He's like, why is this guy being so weird? So he he confronts Eggman, uh, fucking holds a gun to him because he's Shadow and he's like a fucking edgy bitch like that. Uh, Eggman kind of kind of breaks down because like, again, he's having a bad time. Like no one trusts him. Like no one recognizes him. Also, he's fucking dead, just having a just 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 a lot of things going wrong for this guy. But then like kind but then But then he breaks the psychic barrier and causes Shadow to recognize him. Because I'm like, hmm, I feel like this psychic barrier thing kinda needs to be in place in order for the world building to make sense. Uh also it's uh kind of very restricting and limiting to the players themselves. So I'm just gonna establish this rule solely so that I, so that it can be broken with a with a decent role. And uh so so so, like, Shadow kind of finds out that, like, what's going on with Eggman and that, like, he is a participant in in this Reaper's game and that he has a chance to come back to life and keep causing problems. So that will be relevant later. Um, uh, and then the party, uh, you know, at the end of the day... Uh, gets a message from, uh, Drybones, I believe, that is just being puppeted by this, like, weird clown puppeteer, and that is just, like, controlling this, this, this fucking skeleton, and it gives them the message that, like, it is in their best interest to, uh, go to the performance tomorrow at, uh, at Luigi's restaurant. Um... And I've been talking for a while, and I think my voice needs a rest, so that is the end of day three. Um, yeah, would you, would you like to hit us with a, with a second story, and I can, I can continue mine after that. Alright, and I guess to go for a more lighthearted one, <laughs> well, for my first story, I'm going to talk about the first, if not us, then who? session that we had that I've been a part of. Mm-hmm. Let's go. And since we're naming players other players, the other two people playing with me was Gray and Steven. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, when we was rolling in our colors, we all ended up rolling titanium. Hell yeah. Why don't you uh, explain, uh, if not us, then who, uh, just a little bit, uh, just in premise for the uh, for the listeners, if if they're not familiar, which yeah. they probably might be, but who knows? <coughs> yeah, sorry. <coughs> so, if not us, then who? If not us, then who is a game game made by Riley Hopkins? Also, also made interstitial. What's up, Riley? Yeah, yeah. To be a table, a gym, GMless RPG game that's basically the meta narrative is players are podcasters recapping a season of Power Rangers and or a Super Sentai esque TV series. And well, you can just pick from the charter as you please. There's a rule for if you want to go completely random, you can just roll 2d6 on basically all the charged bird weapons, which is just 1d6, to basically 
randomized team with randomized colors, randomized villain, mm-hmm. randomized team theme, randomized villain theme, randomized his mentor, randomized mentor sit mentor's assistant, basically all that stuff. Uh huh. Once you get all the customization done. You draw from a deck of playing cards with three of the kings removed because each card represents a different type of episode with king being the final episode of the season. And that's basically the rules in the nut, in a nuts shell. So everyone that I was playing with is up rolling titanium as a color. And since we didn't really want to thought it was funny to all be titanium. Yeah, fuck it. It's the team of theme now. That's your look. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to be like, okay, realistically they would have to have some way to identify them, so it's roll a secondary color. Uh-huh. So I was the blue titanium ranger, Draco Blackrail. Oh, he sounds he sounds like a character from a fucking fan fiction. Like that is some Raven Dementia Way ass name. Mm-hmm. 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 That's what I was aiming for. Hell yeah. Let's go. And, and his traits were Lona and Evil. Oh boy. Oh boy. Send this boy to Hot Topic. Yep. Steven was playing Gary, the Green Titanium Ranger, who had Heart and Leader. Also, Draco's weapon was rain was a ranged weapon. And I put down Magnum as his weapon. Uh-huh. Steven, Gary's Green Titanium Ranger, Heart Leader. Got Brunt weapon, and he shows Knuckle Busters. And then Dre was playing as Pete, the Black Titanium Ranger, who is savvy and noble, and he had an inner weapon. Mm-hmm. And we'll find out what that weapon is later. <laughs> Hell yeah, we, we, we love a surprise. We love a Chekhov's gun. So, to choose our team, we all rolled on the chart, and we were going to just pick one, but then... I had gotten Detective, Dre had gotten Movie, and Steven had gotten Historical. Mm-hmm. And when you fuse all those together, you might think you'd get, like, a Sherlock Holmes movie or an R Detective movie. But no, those are lies. You get True Crime Podcasts. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What else would it be? So we would be the True Crime Podcasts. Cast ranges. Clearly the uh the the most noble and justice driven out of all possible ranger groups. No no mm-hmm. no ethical funniness over here. You know these are these are your straightforward good guys who would never who would never get cancelled on twitter.com. Yeah, we never do any crestable things to draw up drama for podcasts. Oh, good. Oh, good. So, moving on to our villains. We had rolled up... I had rolled up Fantasy, 
Stephen had rolled up food, and Dre had rolled up prisoners. Uh-huh. Hell is, is the biggest prison of all. They're ca- they 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 do call it that. Mm-hmm. They're they're calling it the big sing sing underground. The most notorious part is Hell's Kitchen. Uh huh. Ruled by none other than Rodon Gramsci. <laughs> yeah, the noble leader who is also cute. Incredible. Incredible that you would just make Gordon Ramsay a Satan figure. Why not? <laughs> now, I don't know about this Gordon Ramsay. I just know about Rodon Gramsci. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know what? Forget that. Who who am I talking about? No one. Certainly no one of note. And his second in command, Fufai Higuerri, mm-hmm. who is cute, leader, and hard. And while we have him down as second in command, he's more of a comedy relief lieutenant as the human-looking villain. We had Sartana, the evil noble loner, who basically acts as the actual second man. Mm-hmm. Gotta have a girl boss in the villain team. Of course, of course. Diversity win. And to top, finish up the prep, prep work, we had our team's mentor, the second girl boss in the group, well, in the camp, the in the session, Vim Fatale, who traits are beauty, leader, and heart. Mm-hmm. And her himbo assistant, himbo. <laughs> him as in like a gospel hymn, and bow as in short form for Beauregard. Great. You had Tondi, tough, and cute. So, like, a real cute group of villains. Just just some kawaii's uh, uh, trying to ruin your day. Well, those were the mentor and the assistant. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Anyway, to start off the session, basically, the pen shot in around a cave. Spooky cave. Because low-budget power ranges. And then we kind of zoom into the cave to Hell's Kitchen, where Rodon Drowsy is sitting on his throne and then demands a meal to be judged. Mm-hmm. Uru. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which, Rodon Dramsey, <laughs> he has a verbal tick of saying Uru at the end of every sentence. Ooh. That is also just his laugh. Oh boy, I'm 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 sure that wouldn't get annoying at all ever at any time. Well, he also talks with a very deep voice. Uh huh. He also doesn't really say much in the session, but yeah, he demands a dish to be served for him to judge, which Fufai he goes off to find someone while Sultana just. Or he found someone and shoves them up front. Mm-hmm. And from this meal, Rodon judges it to be acceptable enough to be made into a monster. 
that is made into the monster's baguette. Oh, good. And sent to Earth, but unknown to Rodan and Fu Fai, who still went off to make a sandwich for Rodan. Sultana had kind of nudged Forget to go to a certain city for unknown reasons. Mm-hmm. Now we cut to our heroes who are kind of all scrunched up on a tiny couch with one mic. And they're trying to record a the episode of their true crime podcast. Cool. So 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 what are they what are they investigating this week? What's uh what's you probably just like tax fraud or something, right? Well, we didn't even get to that part because Gary was eating popcorn, then decided to go get something to drink for everyone. Uh-huh. Draco complains about how he should have never accepted this Craig this Craig job. Uh-huh. job. Pete's wondering why Gary's eating popcorn and why is it just all over the place. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the police scanner in, our, in the room goes off. Saying that there's a monster attacking downtown. Yeah, that that tracks. That 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 that's about how it goes when you when you sit down to record a podcast. There's always some bullshit. It's you can never you can never get that many adults in a room together without something coming up on someone's schedule. Especially three adults who never met before. <laughs> yeah, I had a car appointment that uh that the and 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 today that I forgot about and that's why we started uh 40 minutes later than the planned time. <laughs> yeah, we have all evening. But yeah, as everyone was debating me on what to do, Draco stood up and said, "We got to go. This is for true is crying." <laughs> Basically forced everyone down to his muscle car to go to the monster attack to record it for their podcast. You know, the one that's all audible based. <laughs> yeah, just 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 smashing and crunching sounds. I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll be uh, g- good audio content. I'm sure that'll clean up real nice in the edit. You know, like real true crime podcasts, they don't really think their action's free. They just do. <laughs> you know, so true, bestie. So. Draco drives him down in his really cool little muscle car that he's not using to compensate for anything while he wears his cool sunglasses and then Tokyo drifts into a parking space. Uh-huh. And after carefully putting his super expensive sunglasses back up, they all get out to check out the monster attack. Mm-hmm. And is at this point while Pete is trying to set up the camera to record a video for their podcast that is not video-based, Draco calls his aunt, Ben Fatal, and because he had remembered that she had asked him to call her if he saw anything weird, and a spaghetti monster attacking a bunch of cops kind of sounds like a weird thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't really expect that to see on on most normal days. That's uh, yeah. That's that's one you want to call in for sure. And he gets confused when she tells him to check his jacket pocket. Mm-hmm. And he pulls out three magnifying glasses, and 
kind of hands them out. And these are the Morphers. Uh-huh. So they all transform. Super Sentai action. And, and we have Draco do a character moment where we foreshadow his evil by... Well, he ends up shooting a bunch of cops by accident. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he lets foreshadowing his evil is because he was actually aiming for the monster attacking the cops. Uh-huh. Honestly, might be beginning to get a bit too political here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no worries. But, yeah. As this monster doing a service justice is, is basically doing a social service, then backed up by the kind of putty monsters. And I... Oh, yeah, there's the... Ah, I forget what we named them. It was basically appetizers, but a different term for them. Mm. I'm just going to call them appetizers. Fair enough. That's a good as name. That's a good as a name as any. So, and they're basically just like garlic sticks, basically. <laughs> and this is basically where we figure out all of everyone else's weapons, which. Gary pulls out his knuckle busters to punch him. Draco, still missing his initial target, but the bullets are ricocheting and hitting some of the advertisers, so he takes credit for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Pete doesn't have one, it seems, and he's very confused. So Draco, being the good friend he is, just calls Peter loser. Which makes him upset, and he shoots a laser beam at some of the advertisers. Uh-huh. Which Draco takes credit for knowing that it would happen. Narrator voice, he did not know that it was going <laughs> to happen. But, yeah, we fight for advertisers, then we, once they're turned into croutons, we go to fight spaghetti. Spaghetti. And Draco... Knowing what little Power Ranger stuff he knows. It's like, we gotta combine our weapons. Which Peter's basically going, well, I don't know how to use my weapons. Which Draco points his body towards Spaghetti and just calls him a loser again. Mm-hmm. This causes Pete to summon another laser beam, which Draco and Pete um, and Gary put their weapons in to make a giant Tommy gun. Hell yeah. Which, Second mention of a Tommy gun in, in, in this podcast. Yeah, I have forgotten to mention that the Ranger suit design is basically, like, the helmet has, like, a, looks like a fedora, like, fused with it on top. Uh-huh, oh. the suit is, like, a trench coat. Wow. So they have, like, a noir, noir detective look. Fantastic. Uh, that that I'm 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 imagining in, that in my mind, and that looks sounds like a fucking awful ranger design. <laughs> yeah, probably, but still, <laughs> we're a true crime podcast ranger team, so true. So anyway, we defeat Biscuit, and he turns blows up into. Oh, we do this whole Sentai pose where he blows up in the background. Oh yeah, you the, gotta. Mm-hmm. Then he blows up again, 
And then again. And then again. Uh-huh. And then again. Is each individual noodle blowing up or something? There's a pause. Then he blows up again. <laughs> There's a longer pause. And we're just kind of going. We have a moment of Picard is going. Is it okay to turn around now? <laughs> is it good? Great. Is it good? We'll turn around that on three. And then the countdown, and then just while Pete actually turns around, the other two don't. Mm-hmm. But it was fine. And where spaghetti was, it's just a bunch of plates of spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Which Draco shoots one, but he was actually aiming for the plate to the left of one that he actually hit. Mm-hmm. You know, the true plot twist is probably that Draco probably needs glasses or contacts. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Don't know how he's able to drive so well, though. <laughs> but anyway, once the spaghetti defeated, they go back to Gary's apartment to re- do the audio part of their purely audio-based podcast. Mm-hmm. And once they open the door, there's just this comically large man who, much too big to actually fit through the door, just on the other side. Mm-hmm. And it's Himbo. It's like a mafia kick, like mafia enforcer. Mm-hmm. So he says a lot of use and such like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like a real goon, see? Yeah. He, he stands in the rain until they ask him politely to move. And once they step into the apartment, Finn Fatale is there here to basically have a Nick Fury moment at the end of the first Iron Man movie. Uh-huh. You know, let me tell you about the Ranger Initiative. And let me just find a pit because we had found a link because how you imagine film felt hell is that she looks like a mostly humanoid like more realistic version of Jessica Rabbit uh-huh uh-huh second ma- mention of Jessica Rabbit in this podcast yeah. and I'm gonna post this which is a neuro like Disney princesses and your Triss. Okay. And she basically has the outfit that Belle has there. It looks like a kind of Claire Redfield style outfit. Uh, she's definitely got some suspenders and a button-up shirt with the the top w- way open. It it kind of rules. It's a good fucking look. Belle, not Snow White. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, both are good. True, true. I, I, I'm, I'm a little sleepy right now. I'm not keeping my Disney princesses straight. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, she got like the cool fucking vest on. She got. She also got a shirt with the with the buttons open. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's how the first episode of the. Uh, True Crime Rangers sigs and ends. Hell yeah. I, 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 I would love to hear about all the different food-themed enemies you're, you're, you're out there fighting. 
Well, how would you, how would you fight a soup themed enemy? It's in, impossible to know. <laughs> huh? If we ever continue it, I guess we'll find out. Guess so. Because we had done that session like last Friday, so uh huh. So a real recent one. Yeah. All right. If we're if we're ready to get back into interstitial. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Yeah, this is this is day four. The party have just gotten the message from the creepy dry bones skeleton that's being puppeted by an unknown entity. Uh, and and today they they get a, a a new mission, and this is kind of like the 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 turning point I set up for the the entire campaign. Because you know, to this point, it's just been like, okay, get the mission, do do the Olympic games, you know, meet the NPCs. Uh, but now they have a new mission to disband the protesters at uh at 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 Santa's village. Um. And essentially the setup is, like, this, you know, Kong construction is set to essentially, like, demolish uh, the Olympic Village to, like, build new Olympic stadiums. Uh, like I said, this campaign is ha- about how the Olympics fucking sucks. Uh, so kind of like here, we're, 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 we're getting to see some of that. Also, like, prior to this, at the start of every new day, I just, like, do... Do, do an ad read in character. So, like, we're getting fucking commercials in this campaign. We're, like, we're, 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 we're starting to see some of the, uh, you know, highly capitalistic and, uh, less fucking ethically, uh, uh, ethically ideal, uh, parts of the Olympics. Um, so. You know, I, I forget if it's exactly here, but like, you know, the parties are having some questions about this. They're being like, huh. So we know that Mario is the, uh, is the conductor of this game, but this kind of seems out of character for Mario. Like when he was alive, he generally seemed like a pretty wholesome person who is not like extremely capitalist and loves knocking down entire, entire, entire towns. Um, so, so just, just, that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Um, oh, uh, let's see. We also meet, uh, one more important, uh, team of players in, in this mission because we have Gwendolyn, the matriarch of the guard from the Mouse Guard series, who is here with her two teammates, uh, uh, Gigan from, from Ranking of Kings, who is just like a big, big ol' ogre dude. And, uh, BB-8 from, from, from Star Wars, uh, and they're here sort of being like, hey, we, we, we can't let these people lose their homes, we're not gonna let anyone, like, disband this, this crowd of protesters who are, who are stopping the construction company, uh, but also Star, uh, also, also, Pegasus's team is, is, is here. And if you know Maximilian Pegasus, this man is a fucking capitalist. He owns a company. He loves doing unethical things. So he's like, Oh, well, we have to complete the mission, don't we, Gwendolyn boy? Uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of on the party to choose sides here because they are, they're, they're a good party. They don't like doing bad things. Uh, you know, they, 
they choose to solve the problem their own way, and they use uh, they use memes to sort of incite the crowd, uh, you know, to 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 sort of you know uh, find a leader among them. Uh, a man called Peppermint Steve, who uh, who 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 like you know sort of cheers them on to uh, to you know use direct action and dismantle all the construction equipment. Uh, so. Uh, so, you know, they, they try to do that, uh, but Dr. Starline's team shows up to, uh, to get in their way, and there's, like, sort of a big, you know, battle royale between, uh, you know, the teams, and, you know, Roger Rabbit, I think, convinces Pegasus to, uh, you know, to switch sides because he agrees to, uh, you know, give him his share of, of the points from the mission, so, um... So yeah, it 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 really turns the tide so that everyone is like going up against Starline's team. But then you know, sort of Starline is outnumbered. He's like you know fighting and losing. Uh, but then he just kind of like hits a button on his glove and makes everyone on his team disappear. So he gets away. Um, and then you know the uh, the crowd of protesters like you know uh, uh, you know sabotage all the construction equipment. And then yeah, and then you know. And sort of break up after that so like technically the crowd disperses but like definitely not the way that uh that mario wanted it to go uh technically the party still wins the mission but 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 they're on a shit list now um so I mean, it sounds like more like mario's fault he should have specified more if he wanted something he really should have i i agree that one's on him uh, but you know, there's there's still some time left in the day. Um, so, uh, so yeah, they 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 still uh, they still have to go to Luigi's restaurant and and uh, apparently just like watch the performance there. Uh, so. So they go to do that, and you know it's it's you know uh, they they Doctor Eggman specifically invites some some of the NPCs to come along with him. He invites uh, Haru, uh, Garfield, uh, and uh, Tails and M uh, to 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 go to the restaurant, um, and. Uh, uh, Garfield blows him off, but the rest show up, and and so does Eugene, Haru's boyfriend, not the Reaper Eugene, who who is is somewhere else. Um, uh, so yeah, so so actually, um, here would be a good time to talk about the uh, the party's wagers because in order to get into the Reaper's game, in order to actually play it in the first place, you have to wager something, and it is the thing that is most important to you, whatever that might be. May be. So for Asriel, it was his memories of his friends. Like he doesn't remember any of the other Undertale characters. Like. He's just kind of like out there on his own, like with a bunch of missing memories of his friends and family. And for Roger Rabbit, like the thing he wagered was his love for his wife, Jessica. And that's gonna become relevant right here because the fucking waiter at Luigi's restaurant is Papyrus. 
uh, from from Undertale. He serves everyone spaghetti, even though they didn't order it. Um, and yeah, so second mention of spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> so Asriel actually manages to like break the psychic barrier with Papyrus, and Papyrus like recognizes Asriel, even though Asriel doesn't recognize him. And they kind of have like a whole scene there about like you know how. You know, no one really knows where Asriel went, and, you know, they're just sort of all waiting for him to come home, and it's kind of fucking dramatic. Um, uh, also, also, Dr. Eggman just, like, fucking pre-gamed this dinner and showed up completely drunk and is causing problems. Like, uh, he's been having a bad time, he's been having his little emotional breakdown, and this is where he hits rock bottom. He is just, like, you know, starting fights with everyone, like, just, just, just weird behavior in general. It, Kind of like his, you, you know, what 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 Spike is doing here, what what Eggman's player is doing is just being like, yeah, here's everyone who might have a potential friendship with with Doctor Eggman. I'm just gonna ruin those because this man, because <laughs> this man is making some bad decisions right now. Um, the man needs therapy. Yeah. So, so that's going on. Eventually, just Eggman just like fucking goes out back to throw up. Um, uh, but meanwhile, Jessica Rabbit, like, uh, Jessica Rabbit is here and she is the one, uh, performing at, at, at this venue. This is the, this is the performance that the party was told to go to. Uh, so, you know, um, so that performance starts and, you know, the, the the party like is sort of suspicious this the, uh, this they want to see what's going on so Asriel uh you know uses his player pin to scan and just sees like a bunch of ritual circles drawn all around this room and somehow Jessica Rabbit's performance is just like you know activating these ritual circles collecting all this energy so they're like. Mm, that seems like bad news. Uh, you know, so uh, they they pull the fire alarm, like, um, you know, they sort of get everyone out of the building, but Jessica is like, no, we can't stop this performance. I'm doing this for my husband. Uh, so everyone is just like, so like everyone has left the building except the party or except not even the whole party, because Eggman's vomiting. It's just Asriel and Roger, and they're like, okay, we'll sit down, we'll let you finish. Um, but uh, when she sort of finishes her performance, like, it is drawing in all this psychic energy and all these noise, and the noise are getting converted somehow, like, through the process of this ritual, and the energy is, like, all being, like, drawn outside to the back of the restaurant where Dr. Eggman is, and he sees just, like, this giant forming, and it is this giant tune noise made out of like uh uh just like you know how like in old cartoons like 20s and 30s just like a bunch of stuff is just like moving and animating like you know stuff in the background just like has a face and is sort of bouncing around like it's just an entire giant made out of these like you know with like you know like living train cars as legs and just like shit like that like it also has big titties like one is the sun and one is the moon like 
And then this... As you do. Yeah, and then this giant just fucking fully stomps the shit out of Eggman. Uh, he almost dies, but he doesn't. Um... Uh, you know, and then the, you know, the party goes out to, like, see what's going on, and then the giant gets crushed because this gigantic pipe organ falls out of the sky. Like, you've seen piano gags in, 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 in cartoons before. This time, it's with a fucking pipe organ. And there's a man sitting at that pipe organ, and, and wearing white gloves and you know after like he fucking crushes this gigantic noise and absorbs all of its power he just like slams his hand down on the keyboard plays out this like horrible dissonant note and and um and and you know they catch a glimpse of just his eyes which are the red swirling judge doom eyes uh so it seems like this is the person that killed Roger Rabbit, and Jessica, like, is there, and she's just like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I had no idea this would happen. And then the day ends, and they wake up on, on day five. Mm. Uh, so... Yes, things getting spicy. Hell yeah, things are getting a little, a little fuego over here. There, things are happening. Uh, so this is day five, and what follows is probably my favorite session in the entire campaign, because it was just one of those where the characters are having some emotions, and I don't think it's probably like really going to come through in my retelling, but it's just one of those where like afterwards you're just kind of tired because the characters... Things were happening for the characters, and 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 the emotional stakes were very very high. So, um, day five hap you know starts, and just like no one gets a mission, or 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 yeah yeah, n no mission seems to have been issued. Like they're just kind of left to like their own devices. Um, and you know. They get a text from Eugene, uh, Reaper Eugene, who is, is like, hey, just so you know, like, you didn't do that mission how you were supposed to do it? You might be kind of in some trouble about that. Uh, so, yeah, watch out. Um, uh, so yeah, they, you know, they, they kind of got nothing to do, so they just, they, they do some more Olympic events, uh, that, you know, uh, the, the Olympics has had a couple of new locations added. It's been expanding, you know, as, 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 as the Olympics apparently are doing. Um, so one of the new locations is just space. Uh, they go to space and they find themselves aboard the, uh, spaceship from Aliens. And there's some Olympic, uh, Olympic events here. Uh, we got, uh, we got Mean Bean Machine. Uh, we got, we got a karaoke event. Uh, we got Staring Into the Void. Um, so everyone sort of separates and does, does their little, uh, does their little Olympic games. So, you know, yeah, one of the good things about interstitial is just like, you just have these little moments where it's like two characters from completely different properties just doing something just completely just so absurd. And it's like, how did we get here? This, I... This is the most bizarre scene that's ever been created, and it's 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 kind it's kind of fucking fantastic. Um, 
so Asriel Dreamer played uh, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine against the Xenomorph Queen from Aliens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he won. As you do. Yeah, he, he won. He did a good job. Uh, uh, so, um, yeah, let's see. Roger Rabbit uh, did karaoke against uh, Majima from... Uh, from Yakuza, and Dr. Eggman stared into the void, he, and there were no other competitors in, in, in that competition. He was just out there on his own, just, just sort of having a bad time, like, uh, reflecting on his actions, like, just, just kind of having, like, a whole character revelation about, like, how, like, just sort of understanding like why he's a bad person and why everyone hates him so much and just like sort of coming to terms with all, all of like the awful rotten things he's done and and yeah it was a lot um uh so before that like you know Eggman had set up a meeting because he wanted to meet with Sonic and just sort of be like just sort of be like, hey, I know I've done, like, bad things. I want to, like, try and reconcile to, like, whatever degree is possible. Um, so they agree to meet up in, in, in Twinkle Park, um, which is, of course, a location from, from Sonic Adventure 1. Um, and as we all know, cute couples get in free. So I was like, hey, does anyone, like... Is anyone going to bring a date? Is anyone going to bring a fake date? You can get in free if you do. And no one, no one, no one took it up. So I was like, okay, this is, this is a good bit though. So Sonic and M, they're going on a fake date. They're, they're, they're going to scam the yellow sexuals. They're going to get in for free and no one's going to stop them. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> so M is just there in the scene with nothing to actually do, no actual role, which is kind of her place in the entire campaign, which, which, which is ideal for her. Um, I don't mean to interrupt. Mm -hmm. well, I do mean to interrupt, but I do like how most of this is lighthearted fun, and then you have Eggman over here having having a fucking crisis. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like definitely, like Roger and and Asriel are having their moments too. But I think Eggman was kind of the star in terms of just like fucking character stuff going on like Asriel has all the stuff like with his memories and how he's like dealing with like you know the loss of like all these people in his life and and his memories of them and like you know Roger is like just having to fake his way through conversations with Jessica being like yep I sure do love you baby um mm -hmm. so so yeah like all of that is going on like you know, Eggman is like apologizing, you know, like talking about how, you know, he, 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 he's realized that he's like done some, some bad things in his life. And, you know, he's like trying to put himself on the right path, like trying to become better, a better person and like do good in the world. And Sonic, Sonic is like, okay, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'm willing to, like, just see where this goes. Like, I won't try to get in your way if you're gonna come back to life. Uh, but Tails is like, no, you've, you've, you've had so many chances to improve yourself and you've never done it. Like, 
every fucking time like you you might have had a chance to like learn or grow as a person you've just like gone back to your same old bullshit so like i don't see why i should even give you that chance but you know uh then then i think like eggman did did some more convincing and you know and eventually tails sort of broke because like she was like Okay, so you're apologizing, I have to apologize too, because I'm actually the one who killed you. And she sort of explained, like, the reason Eggman died was because, like, you know, she and Sonic decided, well, he's just kind of colonized this entire alien race, I think that just kind of crosses a line for us. Uh, we, we kinda need to end this man before he can do more harm. So Tails, uh, just sabotaged the, uh, the safety mechanisms on his boss robot, and that's why he died. Hmm. So... So that was a session. That was that was a lot of uh just just emotions coming out, a lot of uh <laughs> a lot of unloading. Uh good fucking session. I it made me very tired. Sounds like it. So after that, uh you know, the the team meets up with Blaze and they like learn a little bit more about the Reapers and how like, you know, Blaze decided, like, not to come back to life and to become a Reaper because, like, that was kind of her only option, like, you know, seeing that if she did come back to life, then, you know, there was already a Blaze and, like, no one in this timeline, like, knew what she experienced, like, during the events of Sonic 06, uh... So just kind of like feeling like there's not a place for her and just like how she couldn't go back. So she became a Reaper and like she does not like the, the way that like this game is being run, like not with Mario in charge, just like, you know, doing his like hyper capitalist version of the Olympics. Um But yeah, that was kind of her only option. So they they and she's like, hey. The conductor would is going to be really hard to take down, but if you want to, like, you can try it. If you if you want to do it, I will support you. I will I will join you in that because uh, I definitely don't like the dude. I know he's more powerful than me, which is why I, which is why I haven't done it already. But I'll 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 help you take him down if that's if that's what you're going for. So after that, like, the team meets up with, uh, with Jessica at the Ewok village and essentially learn about how, uh, how she was approached by this, this red-eyed reaper and, like, essentially promised that, like, you know, if she did this performance, if she participated in this ritual, then he would bring Roger Rabbit back to life. And, um, yeah, I think blaze was there in this conversation too and she was like well the composer is the only one who can bring people back to life so he was definitely lying to you um and yeah essentially like roger just tells jessica rabbit to like sort of stay out of things from here on and lay low like in part in part because he wants her to stay safe but also like in part because he's sort of wagered his love for her and doesn't really know how to uh to to deal with her right now except like faking his way through like every interaction with her so he's not having a uh, uh, such a great time with that um 
Yeah, uh, then the party also meets with Dr. Starline, and Eggman is like... Uh, my notes just say confrontation with Dr. Starline. I forget what exactly happens in this one, but basically, like, we learn a little bit about Dr. Starline, and I definitely kind of wanted Starline in this campaign to be just, like, a reflection of, like, all of Eggman's sort of worst traits and the things he's trying to grow out of. So Dr. Starline is just kind of like, yeah, I'm a genius. I know how to make the world better. Like, people might not agree with my methods, but I know so much better than them, so why don't I just do it? And if, 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 if you don't know Dr. Starline from the IDW comics, he is basically just like a huge Eggman fanboy. Like, he, he sort of like wormed his way into becoming like Dr. Eggman's like sort of assistant slash protege at one point but then they had like a falling out and he's he's just like dr eggman's number one simp he loves all the shitty stuff that old man does um uh so yeah that kind of happens i forget what happens after that but uh but then the party goes back to another round of olympic games they go to the ewok village which like a lot of it has been knocked down and turned into sporting arenas uh that's not great uh but you know they they enter the draw your OCs competition uh <laughs> uh let's see uh, Roger just, like, draws sort of a normal guy who is a mattress salesman for, for, for his OC, and then gets, gets disqualified because he accidentally just do, drew a random dude who, who exists, and that's against the rules, uh... Maximilian Pegasus also disqualified because he 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 drew his OC kissing Roger Rabbit and no RPF allowed. Um, and, uh... I think Asriel drew like his cool fucking hyper beast form as as the OC, so he got second place, and Doctor Eggman uh, got first place for drawing Bell, who is a uh, character also from the the IDW comics. Um, so yeah, and then and then as a prize, Doctor Eggman won. Uh, basically the power to make his OC real because uh you know with 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 each of these uh events like every time they get a gold medal they also get a pin to go with it and uh pins in the world ends with you are basically like uh psychic powers that you can use like basically each one is a different like attack or superpower and uh the 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 pin that he got is Takato's Diarc from from Digimon Tamers which if you know Tamers he he Takato used it to make his OC Digimon into a real Digimon so so you know you, you know what Eggman's going to do with it um going to scan some fan art exactly uh so the the last event of the day is is of course kiss your rose goodnight. Uh, so the party enters into that event. They're competing against the team of Sonic Knuckles and Shadow. So you know Sonic tells his friends a bedtime story and then kisses them goodnight. Uh, Shrek is back. Uh, you know he 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 tucks in Donkey and Puss in Boots and kisses them goodnight. And then uh, Roger you know Roger uh, kisses. Uh, uh, Eggman and Azrael, and they win. They win the gold medal in Kiss Your Rose Goodnight. <laughs>
So that so Roger just kissed him. He didn't do anything special. I honestly forget. It was really. St- it was a really stupid event. <laughs> I forget what I made him roll to kiss his bros. Maybe it was just a light roll. I honestly don't know. I my memories are so. Oh, my memories are not in order. Well, at the end of the day, it's all about form rather than pizzazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No need for story time. Just give one good kiss to each of them. Yeah, just 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 a good straightforward, uh, you know, straightforward. Yeah, just 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 straightforward execution of the uh, the fundamentals, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so day six is here. Uh, the mission this week is to eliminate the red eyed reaper. So hey, you know that funny guy who killed Roger Rabbit and absorbed a giant tune noise. Uh yeah, it's 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 his time to die. Uh so, you know, Eugene sends the party a text message and is like, "Hey, reapers are way stronger than players. You really shouldn't fight this guy. Leave it to us." And and then Blaze also sends a message which is like, "Hey, let's fucking get this guy. If you want to if you really want to go for the composer, here's a chance to prove you've got what it takes." Um <laughs> Also, since I've been, you know, doing ad reads throughout this whole campaign, like, at the start of every day, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I read an ad for Geico, and also, like, because of the special special sponsorship deal, uh, the Geico Gecko is, is showing up as a guest NPC, so he's just, just here, uh, bothering the party, and I have to do, like, whatever Geico Gecko's accent is like i don't know if it's australian or new zealand but i wasn't good at it and and the party got rid of the npc very quickly just like sent him off to go get pizzas and 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 never heard back from him which i was eternally grateful for um Yeah, so they get a bunch of NPCs together, like, you know, they get Shadow the Hedgehog, Gwendolyn, Garfield, M, Blaze, Eugen, Kirby, and Papyrus all together to to go take on this uh this this Reaper. Um uh and then, you know, they you know, Eggman, like, you know, says that he wants to, uh, t- uh, Starline to join them, but then he just totally ditches Starline, and Starline gets real mad about it. Um, so I don't know if you're at all familiar with, uh, the Garfield Dark Ride. Um, Do you know about that? It's a dark ride. Yeah, there was a video on uh defunct land about it which spike had showed me the night before and i was like cool i need a headquarters for waluigi so i'm this is perfect actually um so they 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 figure out through some investigation that this is where the 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 red-eyed reaper is hiding um and you know they 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 go on the ride they go through like it's it's if you for anyone who doesn't know it's this dark ride it's like it's garfield's nightmare it's horror themed um and yeah like when 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 they go to the like the big section with the spider in it the spider is gone and that's because uh waluigi has taken on the shape of the spider and 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 drops down to attack them uh so yeah if 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 i if i hadn't said it already like the red-eyed reaper is waluigi like and basically his whole deal is that like he wanted to augment his body with tune noise he 
she's essentially doing the uh, show me Namimoto thing from Original World Ends With You, except with just like cartoons. Um, so he's like given himself cartoon powers, like he can essentially do what Roger Rabbit does. Step above taboo noise. Yeah. Toon noise. Yeah, the, yeah, of course. Like, if you make something cartoon, it's stronger. Like, that's what we learned from Maximilian Pegasus and Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so essentially they learned that, like, Waluigi, like, set up this ritual. Like, originally he wanted to kill Jessica and then, like, sort of use... And then sort of, like, you know, use her as, you know... Uh, 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 bartering tri- chip to to get Roger to comply with his plans and like help him perform this ritual, but then like Roger got in the way and sacrificed himself, so he was just like, okay, I'll use Jessica instead, and like essentially like the ritual like used Jessica as a template to like convert all these noise into cartoons. Uh, and and then he like fucking absorbed them, which is why he has big Jessica Rabbit honkers because he he also absorbed some traits from Jessica Rabbit. So we got we got big honker Waluigi, mm-hmm. as you do. And apparently, I didn't even come up with that myself. Apparently, there's just like lots of sexy big titty Waluigi fan art out there. So that's I that's that's not an Emery original. Apparently, I was just like reaching into the collective unconsciousness and fucking pulled that out like a fucking claw machine. You know, we're all just one big hive mind. Yeah, <laughs> and that hive mind. It's got it's got Waluigi in it. Waluigi is there lurking behind it all. <laughs> yeah, this is why he should be in Smash. Yeah, exactly. Put him in Smash and give him titties. Big ol' shorter baldies. <laughs> So they fight Waluigi, they, they, they win the fight, uh, you know, they, they basically got him at their mercy, like, uh, and then Dr. Starline shows up to try and interfere, uh, but then, like, Roger has another one of those interactions where I don't even make him roll, because, like, uh, the, the, the pin that they won from, uh, 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 from Kiss Your Bros Goodnight was essentially just like a sleepy time tea pin, and Roger uses it to make some sleepy time tea to uh to knock Starline out. Uh and then he's and then he just like has this whole patter where Starline is like No, I don't want tea right now. I'm I'm holding someone hostage. And then Roger is like, Well, if you don't want to drink it, okay, I'll just get rid of it. And Starline's like, wait, wait, no, hold on. Just just hold on to it for me until this is done. And then Star Roger is like, Oh, I'm getting rid of it. (laughs) And then eventually Starline just drinks the fucking tea. And I'm like, Yeah, that was good. You don't have to roll for it. You just do it. Roger just wins because he's funny. (laughs) Um because Role-playing is more important than rolling. Exactly, yeah. Like, anytime your player does something so good that you're just like, okay, yeah, this has to work. Just, like, don't even make them roll. They just do it. Mm-hmm. So, Roger knocks out Starline um, with with the sleepy time tea, and Eggman is just, just, just picks him up and adds star- unconscious Starline to his inventory. So so yeah, they 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 have some time left in the day like 
you know, they they actually didn't uh, destroy Waluigi. They sort of like let him go because Roger formed a kismesis with him, which which made everyone at the table mad. <laughs> um, so they 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 just kind of let him go off to do his chaotic business, which definitely uh wasn't wasn't what i intended i thought they were just gonna fight him and beat him but then it's like no i guess i guess i guess we're still letting him be a chaotic force in the world i guess i'll figure out what i have to do with that um so yeah eggman you know creates his his oc bell and has her like take charge of eggman land because eggman land uh sort of got moved from you know they they had to move to to save on operating costs it went from being like this big gigantic like multi-planet theme park to just like a shitty little boardwalk attraction in uh in station square and it's run by orbot and cubot and gets no fucking visitors because eggman destroyed station square once and everyone hates him uh so eggman like just sort of like sets up bill to run the place like wanting her to be a better boss than he ever could especially to orbot and cubot um so he's trying to be nice uh asriel uh meets up with yoshi uh talks a little bit about unionizing the dinosaurs because you know, Yoshi's been just participating in dino dressage for the past few days and is super exhausted. Um, because of hijinks, uh, Asriel accidentally gives Yoshi uh, Garfield's number, uh, so things happen there. <laughs> Yoshi and Garfield fucked, is what I'm saying. It happened off screen, but you you do need to know about it. No, you don't, but I'm gonna tell you. Um... I mean, this sounds like a very important part of the plot. <laughs> it really isn't, but it was funny. Um, Eggman uh, participate. You know, Eggman participates in uh, in a Metroid speed running competition, and he doesn't win, but he does save the animals, which is you know kind of a moment for him since he's notoriously. The one capturing animals, uh, so he's had character growth. Um, and then we meet the uh, the last Reaper, who we haven't yet seen. We meet fucking Obi Wan Kenobi, and this is like the worst version of Obi Wan Kenobi. I was just like, what if I took Obi Wan and just like emphasized all of his all of the traits that make him a terrible fucking person? What if he is just like so devoted both to like the Jedi Order and also like the brand of Star Wars that he is that he is just like kind of just like a big authoritarian shithead so like he <clears throat> obi-wan kenobi's whole thing is that like you know uh he is kind of like a notorious player killer like because you know uh because kind of like the purpose of the reaper's game like in canon is like to sort of you know if if someone gets erased in the game if someone loses the game then they their their souls kind of get like you know reduced to their elemental components and just sort of like returned to you know the 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 ether where where new souls can form uh so he's just like yeah I, I i kill as many players as i as as i can if they're marked for elimination because you know then i'm returning them to the force 
And he's just kind of establishing himself as like an awful person that they're definitely going to kick the ass of later. And he's like, oh, I see that you fought Waluigi without destroying him, even though he was marked for elimination. Uh-huh. I see. Oh, you're, 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 you're a bunch of problem children, huh? I, I, I better make sure to deal with you later. Uh, so yeah, and then everyone goes to hell because that's just another location in, that's just another world that's opened up, that's been sort of colonized by the Olympics. Christian hell is here, and- Also the second mention of hell. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and that's where Eggman kind of has, like, a talk with Dr. Starline, who he pulls out of his inventory and is like, hey, actually, the way I've kind of been conducting my business isn't good, and actually, like, it's important to, you know, uh, consider other people and not just try to control them all the time, and Dr. Starline is like, hmm, sounds fake, and Dr. Eggman is like, whatever, I'm just gonna leave you here in hell. <laughs> Uh, so that's the end of day six. Day seven. Oh my gosh, this has been a marathon. We're getting there, folks. I promise. This is the last day. Uh, in parentheses, no, it's not. We have to do it twice. Uh, so <laughs> somehow Mario has found out that Eugen and Blaze are conspiring against him. So he has removed their Reaper status and basically forced them just to become regular players. And on day seven, fucking all the players are marked for elimination. So like everyone has a price on their head right now and everyone is like uh, legal to kill for, you know, whether you be a Reaper or another player. So... So things have escalated. Um, so uh, Starline is is uh, Doctor Eggman gets a message message from Starline, essentially being like, "Well, I don't really believe in what you're doing, but I'll at least give you a shot at it. I'll like I'll like see what you're able to do and see if it changes my mind." So like. Here's the thing I've been using to disappear all the time. It's like this device I made that, that lets me alter my vibes and, 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 you know, disappear from like certain layers of the underground and appear in others. Um, uh, so they, they, they try and team up with some people. Like they try and, you know, uh, Sonic is definitely like, oh, I heard you're fighting a big main boss today. Uh, you definitely gotta let me get in on that. Uh, so Sonic and Shadow show up, but, like, they, they're, they're not in, able to get in touch with Tails or M, like, uh, also, like, Eugen and Blaze are, are gonna help them fight the, the composer, but, like, no one else really on their team, um... And the Fairpito shows up. Finally, they've been the one who've been doing all these creepy puppets of different Mario enemies. Uh, cause I mentioned the dry bones. At some point, they also like show up with like a fucking Goomba with a footprint in its skull that's just being pu puppeted around. Like the thing that they do is they like take cup corpses and like make puppets out of them. So they've just been doing that with random, uh, Mario enemies. Um, so. Neferpito is here being like, well, it's been fun watching you guys do your little thing, but I'm just going to kill you for the points now. Uh, but then Roger convinces him, essentially is like, actually, you have our best interest in mind, and you said that yourself. And Neferpito is like, when did that happen? And then Roger just like pulls out the script for day three and is like, see right here, you said, uh, y y y 
we should do this because it's in our best interest. You actually, we're actually friends. And Neferapito is just like, huh, it does say that. Okay. Guess we guess we're friends. <laughs> um, there's this whole thing that happened, but didn't matter because, uh, I think Obi-Wan told them that they were definitely, uh, doomed to fail, uh, because he saw, you know, and everyone was like, oh, it must be a future force vision. We have to like, create a scenario in which we fail for him to have foreseen but uh but it's it's it wasn't the real one so we still have it they 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 put on a whole production it's wasn't really important um uh so you know then they go to take down the composer or or they go to take down the conductor mario who is in the princess peach's castle like they meet obi-wan there and obi-wan is like okay let's go i'm the mini boss you have to fight me now uh so they fight obi-wan the fight eventually escalates to the point where like Obi-Wan, like, fucking floods the castle with lava. It's sort of a recreation of, like, the scene from from episode three. And then Roger just makes gets him to trip and fall into the lava, and he fucking dies. Um, and also, Sonic and Shadow can't participate in any of these fights, because, uh, turns out Princess Peach's castle doesn't have, like, the sticker there, so this isn't, like, a place where, uh, people in the underground can, can corporealize and interact with people in the real ground, so Sonic and Shadow are just kind of there being like, wow, where'd everyone go? <laughs> so, uh, and then they fight with Mario, and... You know, Azrael at this point has gotten uh, sort of a clue from 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 you know things that have been going on. Like his, you know, everyone's had their sort of suspicions. So like they're fighting Mario. He's like super powerful. He has like fire powers, like he does in Smash Brothers. Um, and like it's a really intense fight until Azrael just takes off his hat, and then Mario collapses, and. The hat, uh, opens its eyes. Uh, and then, and then the hat starts sort of flying around on its own. Uh, this is a living hat. And then the composer comes out of the hat. The fucking, uh, basically godlike entity that controls all the rules of the underground for the Olympics. And it's Wario. Wario used his evil mind control hat, Wappy, to take control of the conductor and just exercise unilateral control over the underground, which ha- and he's been using that to just expand the Olympics out into like every corner of the multiverse. As you capitalism. Yeah, it's capitalism. So now instead of just being up against Mario, who is like a powerful reaper, like definitely the most powerful person in the underground, uh, now they're up against, you know, instead of being up against him, they're up against uh, Wario, the composer, who is essentially God. So instead of trying to fight him, like, you know... Blaze just tells them to fucking run. So they have a little chase scene, they're trying to get away, and it's not working. Wario just heads them off, so... So Blaze tries to fight back, and immediately gets erased. Um, 
And then Eugen gets really mad about this uh, because Eugen and Blaze are best friends in the underground. Uh, so he just like fucking pulls out his his final attack. He like summons this gigantic dragon to shoot a big laser beam at Wario, and it does nothing. And then Eugen and Shutmon get killed. Um, yeah, Wario just does his neutral B and bites off Eugen's entire top half, so that was something. Um, Asriel tries to shoot a big beam at Wario, it does nothing, Asriel gets killed. Uh, and then Eggman is next to go, Wario just like karate chops him in half, and then Roger is like, well, I'm not going to win this one. Uh, can I at least choose how I go? And Wario agrees. And Roger is like, I want to go out with a piano gag. So Wario drops like a fucking a piano made out, out of like burning heavenly energy on him and destroys Roger Rabbit. And that's a total party kill. Uh, so then Asriel wakes up, and he is inside his own mind palace. So one thing I forgot to mention, uh, sometime in day four, um, Asriel wanted to, like, see what, why his memories were missing, and Roger Rabbit did, like, the whole cartoon doctor thing of, like, mm, let me look in here, and just takes a peek inside Asriel's ear, and, you know, just gets a look at the inside of his head, and the inside of his head is just kind of like this, you know, long corridor with, with all of these memories uh, behind behind this this all of these doors. And some of these doors are, like, locked. They have these, like, big padlocks and chains on them and caution tape, and it's like, well... I guess where that's where the uh, the missing memories are. Like he still kind of has them. They're just like barred off from his ex from from access. Uh, so then Doctor Eggman gives Roger a chainsaw and he cuts down one of the doors and reveals a memory about uh, ast uh, uh about uh, Astriel uh, learning to bake pies from or. I said, I said Astriel, that's not a name, Asriel, uh, learning to bake pies from Toriel, and so, so we kind of know that, like, you know, even though the party made all these wagers, like, they, they still have these memories inside them, they still have, like, these sort of internal mind palaces where, like, everything is hidden, so when Asriel like wakes up, he finds himself in this mind palace, and there is this door just like covered by these huge thorny vines, and then the vines start to recede, and you know, beyond there is just like Asriel's home, and it's like just as he remembered it, but with like all of these yellow flowers in, in the backyard, and you know, he kind of goes in, gets cozy, like, starts reading a book, um, and then he meets Flowey, and if you don't know, uh, if you don't know Undertale lore, I'm not going to explain it to you, because we're already so deep into this goddamn episode, uh, but Asriel meets Flowey, essentially like an alternate version of himself who has gone through, like, a million time loops, and he sort of asks, uh, and also here with Flowey is Hanyu from Higarashi. She doesn't really have a real reason for being here, except for, like, I don't know, I wanted to have her as a little cameo. Uh, so... 
So, you know, Flowey, like, sort of asks Asriel, like, if he died, why didn't he just use, why didn't he just use his determination? Why didn't he just create a time loop and, and bring himself back to life normally? And Asriel is like, well, I've done so many of these loops. I'm just tired of living and dying and, and just, you know, being in this endless cycle forever. Uh, but then, and, you know, he sort of talks about like, well, we're we're kind of at a dead end here. We're we're kind of up against this impossible enemy, and the only way to go forward is by defeating him. And then Hanyu is like, I know it seems like you're up against uh, impossible odds, but if you get everyone to believe in it, then you can create a miracle and do something impossible. Um, so then, uh. Flowey hands Asriel a new pin uh, with the power of determination inside it, and Asriel uses it to go back to the start of day seven, and this time he has a completely different mission. Instead of the mission to go defeat the conductor, his mission is to unite all the players, unite all the Reapers, unite with the Apley drivers, who are the Apmon characters, uh, unite with Sonic and his friends, and unite with the composer. Or, unite with the conductor. I always get those fucking confused. So now the mission is different. Now they just have to get everyone together working on the same team to take down the conductor. Mm -hmm. uh so so they get started on that like a number of these different player teams are like already on their side like they've already got gwendolyn on their team they've already got uh pegasus on their team you know so they sort of go around like they talk to neferpito like they get him on their team like you know emmons tails are sort of missing but you know like, Asriel and Eggman talk to M. Basically, she just got, like, super depressed because all this bad shit has been happening to her over the course of the week, and she's just having L after L. So, like, Dr. Eggman eventually com convinces her, like, yeah, things suck pretty bad right now. I know you want to go home, but we kind of just need you for one more day, and can you hold out for us? Um... And then, you know, Eggman also, like, talks to Tails, and they just sort of have it out, you know, they, they, they just sort of talk it out, and, like, you know, we learn that Tails, like, uh, uh, basically my idea for Tails is that, like, you know, she has a heart link with Dr. Eggman, because, like, they're both, like, the fucking 300 IQ geniuses in the world, like, Tails, like, sees this aspect of herself in Eggman and feels fucked up about it because Dr. Eggman is, like, the worst guy in the world. And, like, so she was really invested in, like, seeing Eggman become a better person, but he just kept not doing it. So she was like, all right, I'm sick of this. Gonna, gonna end this guy. So then she did that and felt really bad about it. So, and, you know, Eggman introduces Tails to Belle and is like, hey, I sort of, like... I, I'm just trying to become a better person and, you know, this, this OC I've created is, is, is sort of part of that process and you sort of helped me with that. So they just kind of have a little nice moment and they agree to be friends now. So that's those two. Um, let's see who the heck. Oh, uh, they, they, 
basically the the team of the three Marios uh, has been sort of out of commission for this whole game uh, because uh, Chris Pratt Mario tried to do a backwards long jump and just totally busted his hip. So Roger Rabbit goes to the hospital and like, you know, uh, heals Chris Pratt Mario by like making him this just like super health shake. Like, you know, with all these healthy ingredients, he's got like spinach, he's got, you know, just like, you know, every, just just, just all these sort of like typical cartoony things that you would, you know, use to, to make someone healthier. Uh, but it makes Chris Pratt too healthy and he just gets super fucking buff and hyper muscled up and everyone hated it. Um, uh, so then, you know, Roger is able to like decrease his healthiness back to a normal level just by, uh, uh, by you know, giving him some cigars to smoke and stuff like that. Um... So that was very silly. Um, and yeah, they they convinced Obi-Wan to join their team by being like, hey, we actually know that Wa- uh, Waluigi is breaking the rules over here. He's, uh, he's kind of doing this whole unilateral power and control thing, and that's no good. And Obi-Wan is like, and, you know, they eventually convince Obi-Wan that they learned about this by doing their whole time loop thing. So Obi-Wan is like, all right, we'll, we'll, I'll, 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 I'll help you put an end to this. Um... And then they find uh, Waluigi in the basement of Princess Peach's castle because he tried to, you know, go ahead and fight Mario on his own and got his ass kicked. Uh, So he's just down there being crucified. Also, a lot of fan art of crucified Waluigi. I I stumbled across that in my research, so I was like, okay, I gotta put this in here too. (laughs) Just get some crucified Waluigi, you know. Yes. The hive mind theory. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Again, Waluigi just lurking in the collective unconsciousness. Just just a real unavoidable presence. Uh, so yeah, they get everyone together, and then they, t- you know, you know, they they have a moment where like you know, Asriel, you know, gives this inspiring speech about how they all need to work together to stop the Olympics, and you know, it gets broadcast out online, and they, you know, all these people watch it, and you know, they just have, you know, the the just you know, so much writing on this, and so many people wishing for their success. Um, Hey, this is Emery in the edit. I realized that I left out a kind of important thing. So Dr. Eggman teamed up with Ray, one of the Apley drivers, uh, uh, in order to create a device that will allow uh, all the living characters to to go into the underground. Uh, because, you know, just Ray is the hacker of the Apley drivers. You know, he found out about the underground from Shadow the Hedgehog, and then he, he, he used that information to hack into the underground because he's a hacker and he can do that if he wants so you know you know he worked with Eggman to uh, you know hack Starline's vibe alteration device so that it can bring everyone into the underground and all fight together I realize that if I leave that out it sounds like a pretty big plot hole uh, which I would never include in one of my campaigns also I forgot to mention that Eggman talks with Dr. Starline Dr. Starline is out there staring into the void and Dr. Eggman convinces him to join in the fight against the composer.
And then they fight Mario again. Sonic just grabs his hat right away because he knew to do that. So they 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 save Mario pretty much immediately. And then when Wario comes out, um, Eggman does a trick on him where he baits Wario into attacking, but he actually just smashed a hologram of Eggman instead of the real deal. So then Eggman, like, uses that opportunity to, like, actually get a hit in on Wario. And that is basically what sort of, uh, you know, sort of lights a spark in everyone and is like, okay, Wario's not invincible. We actually all do have a chance of doing this. And everyone at the same time starts believing. And then they get a new pin. Uh, sort of a pin comes out of Offmon. Uh, we don't know how it got there. I know how it got there, but no one else does. And it is a pin of Minerva, who is another character from App Monsters. And what that pin does is it gives everyone a big power up. It basically takes everyone's powers that they're able to use in the underground and makes them super form. Uh, so Dr. Eggman basically gets the ability to, like, summon, like, you know, super weapons and endgame bosses from the Sonic games. Like, Roger gains the power to, like, essentially, like, manipulate, like, the, 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 the medium itself. Like, you know, he can sort of, like, go into the animation program and just change things on a completely meta level. And Asriel, like, gets his big fucking final form a transformation from, uh from the end of Undertale. Uh, so that's all happening. Like, all the Sonic characters have powered up to their super forms. Like, all the app monsters have evolved to their god forms. Like, it's just full on now. Like, Wario summons this ju- this this fucking army of, like, apocalyptic, just kaiju noise. And there's just this big fucking battle. Uh, eventually, you know, when Wario starts losing, he just teleports into space and starts charging up a big, giant laser beam that will destroy the underground because if he can't have it no one can um but then supersonic and super shadow use chaos control and teleport everyone into space where they fight some more um you know eggman and tails do a t- cool team up attack like asriel gets everyone together and sort of leads them in in you know just uniting their power to block the giant reality destroying beam and then Roger Rabbit does a pretty sick counterattack, uh, because, let's see, he uses a combination of moves where basically, like, he, uh, uh, he gets about, f- he uses a certain move to, like, uh, on, on, like, 40 people at once to get, uh, heart links with all of them, and then he uses one called Nothing Hurts Like the Cold, which is, like, spend a heart link to deal one damage, and then, like, take a damage for every two points of damage that you deal, so he deals, like, 15-20 damage to, uh, to Wario all at once, and then just takes, like, half of that himself. So, basically how this, this sort of, what this means in-game is that he summons this giant frying pan made out of the psychic energy of millions of people and just like basically uses it to like crush Wario so flat that like he basically goes like beyond being 2D and like sort of inverts and is just like absolutely destroyed by the sheer force of this 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 psychic energy 
Uh, yeah, but then, but then Roger, since he took all that damage, like, the film he is drawn on starts to burn up, like, he himself is, like, being annihilated, like, not just him, but the medium that he exists on, like, he is burning up in a way that he cannot control, uh, but then it turns out, out of all the people they assembled in, in... In this big team uh, of 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 warriors for justice, one of them is a really good healer. So Neferpito uh, gets in there and summons uh, her healing ability, Doctor Blythe, which is basically this big creepy doctor puppet. Uh, and then the doctor just goes in with a bunch of like cellophane tape and markers and basically like tapes Roger back together and like draws over the damaged film. Uh, and, 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 yeah, basically saves him from being erased after he took just, like, a ridiculous amount of damage. Uh, so, yeah, so then the composer is defeated, and the sort of Olympics are being dismantled, you know, the world over, as, like, you know, uh, Yoshi finally got in touch with Roger's union rep, Pikachu, uh, and, you know, People are getting together and uniting and tearing down all of these, like, um, all of these Olympic stadiums and things are starting to go back to normal. Um, and yeah, but it turns out since the composer's gone, none of them can come back to life until a new composer is instated. So they, they, they sort of, you know, like talk about it with like everyone assembled and they decide to make Roger and Jessica the new composers and everyone gets their entry fees back since they just defeated the composer and won the game. So Roger has his love for Jessica back. The two are finally reunited in 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 a way that matters and yeah the two just become the new composers of the olympics um and they bring everyone back to life who wants to go back to life and um yeah so sort of asriel goes back to you know doing his thing you know going out and you know helping people around the world uh you know dr eggman you know, has has reformed himself and, you know, just sort of spends spends his days like building uh you know, building attractions for his theme park. Um yeah, I, I, I wrote you know, little epilogues for a couple of the NPCs too. Like there was a lot going on with the NPCs in the background that I didn't touch on. Like I had full backstories for like Eugene and Blaze and how they became friends and like everything going on with them and like, you know, what the different motivations for all the different Reapers are and how they got to be where they are, but it would be far too much to, you know, time to get into there. But, you know, suffice it to say, like, you know, things end really well. Like, you know, people go back to their lives, like, you know, uh, uh, damaged relationships, you know, sort of end up going to be being in a stable place, like... You know, M, the Bun, is finally a little less depressed because she helped save the world, and, you know did something cool with a bunch of friends so yeah it just it things end on a really good note and yeah it's it, it yeah I, I just feel like everything came together so well and yeah only things could have only gone this way like with with you know the the 
the whole party really being on their game and playing their characters so well and like making such compelling choices. And it was just such a good goddamn campaign. I love it. Yeah. I think that's all I have to say. Wow, I talked so much. I was expecting this to maybe last about half as long as it did, but then I had a lot to say. So Yeah, I was in gross. <laughs> a few times I interrupted you was mostly just because I was remembered that this is a podcast. I probably should say something. <laughs> well, I'm glad you were entertained. I'm I yeah, I I I'm glad I finally get to tell the story of that campaign because it was a really good one. Like I said, it just yeah, I'm 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 so happy with how it went. I have so many good memories from that campaign. Um and uh yeah, I'm I'm really proud of it and I'm really proud of my players. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm so yeah, I, I I I think that about does it. I we should really just fucking end this because before before <laughs> before we hit the three hour mark. So yeah, is yeah. is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything you want our listeners to know about before we before we depart? Well, you can find me on www.patreon.com/slash/themoonshotnetwork. Oh, or if you don't want to spend money. Join the Discord. I think you can join for free. If not, spend that money. Uh, Alright, you can find me on a couple of podcasts. I'm on one called Gone Will Hunting. Ho that's been on hiatus for a while, but hopefully we should be we start re uh, releasing the episodes we have recorded and edited soon. We just have to get a few things in order for that. I'm also on an upcoming podcast called We Rate Queerbait. Hopefully... The uh, RSS feed for that should be set up by the time you're hearing this. Basically, we just we have a bunch of episodes recorded for that too. We just have to get our theme music sorted. Uh, Gone Whale Hunting is a Hunter Hunter recap podcast, which I do with my friends Devin and Sky. Uh, we write Queerbait is also with Devin and Sky, and we talk about all of the uh, all of the clearly gay couples in media in fiction that should have been canon, and we rate them according to our three criteria: no hetero, no homo, and no romo. That's a very fun podcast. We get very silly and deranged and 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 just just real gay on it. Um, so if you liked all my queer head cannons from from this story, wait till you hear about the ones I have about Mouse Guard and so forth. Um Hey, what's up? I'm back at it again with another editor's note. Uh, so since this recording, we have released new episodes of Gone Will Hunting, and we have premiered We Rate Queerbait. So go check out both of those shows. To plug in my podcast, if you like the sound of my voice and for some reason found my stories interesting, you can find me on the second season of the podcast, actual the interstitial podcast, Resonant Beats. You can find us on Twitter at ResiBeatPod, or you can join our podcast at www.patreon.com slash rbpod. 
I also have one more podcast to plug called Digimon Ghost Gaze on the NoiseSpace.xyz network, where we are talking about the ongoing season of Digimon that is, uh, that is, that is airing right now. Uh, it's a spooky horror-themed episode, so, like, now is the perfect month to get into that. It's a real good-ass season of Digimon, and I love to talk about it with my friends Morg and Elvier. It's a good podcast, y'all should with listen thank you mm-hmm. uh so yeah if 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 me talking about app monsters for a little bit of time has made you go huh they're still making seasons of digimon huh they're still like there's modern seasons of that i didn't know go listen to digimon ghost gaze and then because we 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 we're, we're talking about the current one. We're talking about if 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 you like Digimon, if you have good memories of that series, let me tell you, still going strong. They're still making good shit. So check that out. Check the podcast out. Digimon Ghost Gaze and. I am also on Fur Affinity. My username is Space Robot. I'm drawing furry art there, including some of the art uh, of characters from this season or from 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 this campaign I was just talking about. So go there, take a look at my gallery. You can hit me up for commissions um, on Discord if you know me there, or at spacerobotart at gmail.com. That's S-P-A-C-E-R-O-B-T, no second O, A-R-T, at gmail.com. I think that's about it. Um, yeah, once again, thank you to uh, the Podcast Minds for, for hosting us and, and for, for holding this little podcast jam here. I know I had a fun time just, just, just talking my fucking mouth off about, uh, about this, this silly little campaign. Also, extra thanks to Riley for making Interstitial and, uh, and if not us, then who? Both good games in my IMO. Same. All right. So, I... I didn't come up with an outro for this, so... I will simply say goodbye, everyone. Have a spooky time in your next tabletop campaign. And remember, cops can go shit themselves. Good night. Nighty night. (laughs) 